Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father God, thank you so much this morning for the privilege to gather as a family, to come to study your word, to worship together like we did this morning, to encourage and equip our kids in the work of the ministry, to pray one for another, and as Sister Lydia said, to help bear one another's burdens. Thank you for our church, which is your church, the Bride of Christ. Thank you for enveloping and adopting us and bringing us into this holy, holy community. We thank you for our time together now. Would you uh, open our eyes and our ears? Would you breathe on us afresh? Would you give me preaching power and keep me out of the way? For we would see you, Jesus. That's our prayer. Bless our time in the word now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 9 today. Thank you so much. So good to see all of our visitors who are with us here today. Thank you for being with us. We know you could have been in one of many churches in the Naperville area, but by the grace of God, you are here with us, and we don't take your presence lightly. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. We love preaching through the word of God, and we pray today that you would hear something, see something, touch something that will change your life. This year, we've been preaching through the gospel of Luke. So if you'll turn on your phones or open your Bibles or look to the screen, Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be today. I'm going to backtrack a little bit and pick up a a story in Luke that I passed over to Rush to get to last week's sermon. But Luke chapter 9, today verses 12 through 17 is where we're going to land this morning. The Bible says, when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a deserted place here. But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fishes unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so. And they made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish And looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke them. And he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and they were filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. And all God's people said... Amen. Today I want to tag this message for you. Give the Lord all that you got. Or subtitle, a lesson in kingdom stewardship. Give the Lord all that you got. And this is a lesson in kingdom stewardship. 
All right, see, one of the amazing things in Scripture is the way that God elects to provide for his people. Sometimes Scripture shows to us that he will use bread from heaven, quail in the desert, a raven down by the brook, or some other divine manner to satisfy his people's needs. But no matter which way God decided to provide, he has always done it so that they would know who it is who really provides for their every need. The story is told of the great missionary Hudson Taylor, who wrote in his journal while he was serving in China the following statement. He says this, our heavenly father is a very experienced father. He knows very well that his children every day wake up with a great appetite. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, we do not expect that he'll send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. He said, depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. That was good. Can I just say that again? God's work, RCC, done in God's way, RCC, will never lack God's supply. And I'm looking for an amen right there. Taylor was right. And the scripture confirms it. In fact, in our text today, the story of God's provision is on display. Now, I'm going to need your help to help me preach today, okay? Uh, as we used to say in the little bitty church, help me pull the wagon this morning, all right? Now, in this story today, God uses people's resources to teach them how to trust in him and to give up their possessions that other people might benefit from the blessings of the Lord. This text, it's about Jesus using the disciples to minister to the multitude. He wants to use them to help somebody benefit for the work of the kingdom. Brother Josh, you know what? That's the same call and challenge we have as a church. God can take care of the world any way he wanted to. He's God. But he chooses to work through the church. So if you'll sit up and lean in this morning, I think you'll hear something that might warm your soul down through the way. There are three things I want to look at in this passage. Number one, let's look at how to handle our ministry concerns. Number two, let's look at how to hear the ministry command. And then number three, let's expect a great ministry conclusion. Amen? Okay, note takers, help me through here. All right, verse 12. If you're listening, say amen. The Bible says, when the day began to wear away, or it was evening time, the 12, the disciples, they came to him 
And they said these words to Jesus. Jesus, send these people home that they may go to the surrounding towns and country and go to bed and get provisions for we're in a deserted place. When we come to this portion of the story, RCC, we get to see the disciples wrestling with what I call as a ministry concern. What is it, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. They had just returned from a great evangelism ministry, and the crowds were continuing to come and to follow him or them. They had seen wonderful miracles happen as a result of their preaching and their teaching. But now the disciples were wore out from the work and they had no rest from their going out and their coming in. The work of the ministry for them, Elder Cho, it was paying off, but now they were exhausted. Am I talking to any tired workers in the church today? Yeah. In their fatigue, practicality kicked in. And in their ministry concerns, they took their eyes off of the supernatural work that God is able to do and put it on practicality. Can I teach a little bit this morning? Beloved, practical thinking among the tired disciples said this. Jesus, send these people away and let them go get food somewhere on their own. Practical thinking said, we've done enough now, master. Send them away. Practical thinking said, we've been in church all day long, Jesus. Give the benediction and let's go home. (laughs) I thought that was funny when I thought of it in my study. But practical thinking was really concerned with themselves. Why? They were tired. And their rest was interrupted by the needs of the crowds. Wow. And for those of us who are in leadership and who've been called to serve other people, we know just what this is like. But I want to challenge us. Let's be careful. We're listening to practicality. Why? Practical thinking will mislead the disciples of God, even when they come with the best intentions. See, when it comes to doing what God would have us to do, we can't listen to practical advice, even if it comes from the well-intended. We've got to always lean on the supernatural possibilities and the faith that comes from God to do what God is bringing our way. Hmm. Practical thinking, that type of advice will make you miss what the Lord is doing uh, and what the Lord desires to do through you. We've looked at the disciples' ministry concern, let me show you now their ministry command. The Bible says in verse 13, when they said this to Jesus, send them away, Susan Stella, Jesus said to them, you feed them. (laughs) Don't send them away to get food. I brought them to you, disciples. You feed them. You give them something to eat. And they said, but we don't have no more than five loaves and two fish. 
unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there are 5,000 men. RCC, when we arrive at this portion of our text this morning, you and I get to see what I call as an unexpected challenge and command from Jesus for the disciples to meet the need in the ministry. You see, they came to Jesus with a ministry problem and a ministry concern. And Jesus heard their request and gave them the solution. But the disciples didn't believe that they could minister on this level or in this context. Oh, we that's good preaching. God has given them an invitation to do something they've never done before. But because they're tired, they almost miss a window and an opportunity to see God like they've never seen him before. RCC, are you listening? In your fatigue and all that we've been through the last year and a half, I know you're tired, beloved. I know we're ready to just lay down and go home. But let me tell you something. If you'll lean in, that's the best time to see God like you've never seen him before. Sister Lydia talked a little bit earlier, I'm off my notes now, about this wonderful harvest festival and trunk or treat. And I know I could hear the gasp in our heart like, oh, no, I'm so tired. <laughs> and I'm saying, oh, yes, this is the opportunity. God is saying, now, I know you're tired, but watch what I do when I bring the people to you. Don't send them away to other churches. You feed them. (laughs) Oh, that just felt good. Okay, I'll keep going. When I look at this text, it's an invitation for the disciples to do the supernatural. It's what I call an authoritative command. If you'll let me work right here, I'll try to press my case. This authoritative command from Jesus, Brother David, is really a call for the disciples to trust in the Lord for the outcome. This authoritative command is a call to move out and to work by faith. This authoritative command, it's a call to a personal examination and a corporate inspection. Look into your accounts. What do each of you have? You feed them. This authoritative command. It's what I call, brothers and sisters, a call to selflessness and an opportunity to do something bigger than themselves. You give them something to eat. You take care of the needs of the crowd. You minister to Naperville. You take care of the widows and the orphans and those who are sick in this zip code. You help fix the problems that are broken in our zip code. RCC, check this out. According to the disciples' calculations, they didn't have the resources to minister to this crowd. According to their expertise, this situation that Jesus is asking is not logical. Uh, According to their 
yeah, ministry perspectives, this, this was impossible. It looked overwhelming. It was too much of a burden. Can I tell you that God don't operate on logic? It ain't logical to speak the world into existence and it forms out of nothing. It ain't logical to say oceans hold your boundaries and the seas don't come no further. It ain't logical to put stripes on the zebra and a, 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 a hummingbird speed and the hummingbird. God didn't operate in logic. He calls for us to walk by faith and not by sight. It ain't logical to give up your only begotten son to die for the sins of the world, but he don't operate. He says, my ways are not your ways, Angelus, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm hunting for a witness right there. He's a supernatural God. He doesn't need my logic to tell me, to tell him what I can do and what I can't do. In other words, here's what I've learned. When God calls for us to serve others in difficult situations, you know what he does? He oftentimes calls us to use what we got. God knows that he can use whatever we have for the work of the ministry. He can take our little and make it meet the needs of the multitude. Am I right, family? God uses small things in order to be glorified in the earth. Can I call a roll right here? Remember when they were in Egypt and Pharaoh was oppressing them? God used little bitty flies, little bitty gnats, didn't he? Little bitty lice, little bitty frogs to get the attention of a nation and to break her to release his people. I got some more. Can you handle it? When God got ready to do great things in the nation, he used a little bitty old man named Jesse. And Acts was a little bitty baby boy named David. And God made him the greatest king Israel ever had. Okay, I see you ain't impressed. I'll keep going. When God got ready to bring a savior into the world, he reached down in Nazareth, a little bitty town. Off the radar of humanity, pulled up a little bitty virgin girl put inside of her a little bitty baby, and that baby became the greatest man ever known to humanity. By the way, Jesus was born in a little bitty town, a little bitty city off the radar, lived in in obscurity. But when he became ready to do the work that God called him to do, God used him like he's never did before. I just believe God still uses little bitty things to do great big miracles in a big, big world. And I believe he want to use this little bitty church. Hey, I feel like preaching now. To do great things in a great big world. The question is, RCC, are you ready? Are you available for a great big God to use a little bitty OU? I don't know about you, but I'm ready today. I'm, I'm what they say on the shooting range. I'm cocked and loaded. <laughs> I may be little in my own understanding, but God's got great big plans for little bitty things. If you're listening, give me a good amen right there. Here's the lesson in this. If you will bring the Lord all that you have and let him use you for your kingdom, for his kingdom, you'll experience God like you never have before. If you'll bring the Lord your talent, You'll watch him bless others 
with your gift. That's what Lydia was calling for. She's calling for us to experience God together in this one event, bringing your little bitty talents to a great big God who wants to summon a great big community to get to meet his people. Bring the Lord your time and see how others benefit from your service. Bring the Lord your tithe and watch how many get blessed by your offerings. Bring the Lord your temple, your body, and see how he grows you in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God can do with you what you can't do with yourself. God can magnify your little with his divine intervention. Uh, When I look at this text, I'm encouraged because the disciples lacked encouragement. They thought it was they were in an impossible situation. But Jesus, he encourages them. You feed them. You look inside. What do you have? And that's what I want to do for us today, RCC. I know you may be tired. I know you may be discouraged. It's God time now. And he wants you to see him like you've never seen him before. So give him all that you got. And then experience God as he meets you in the journey. We've looked at their ministry concern. I've showed you the ministry command. Now, lean in a little closer and let me show you now the ministry conclusion. What happened when they obeyed God? The Bible says, then Jesus said to the disciples, and this is the favorite part of the sermon for me, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so. And they made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and gave them back to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they all ate. And they were all filled. And then the 12, they took up the leftover fragments from the miracle. Thank you, RCC, for listening today, giving me a time to teach the word of God to you as I prepare to land the plane. When you come to this last pericope of scripture, you get to see what I call Jesus operate in the supernatural to bring a solution to a difficult ministry in that little bitty church. See, according to the text, Jesus does three things that we can emulate in our ministry on earth. Number one, he organized the disciples. Somebody say organized. He organized the disciples to systematically put the people in C groups. He said, I need 50 C groups. Sit them in 50s. There's 5,000 of them. I'm not making it up. It's in the Bible. Why does he do this? 
Organization helps them to distribute the resources. It also doesn't leave anybody out. Here's a good plug right here. If you are a member of this church, or you want to be a ministry, a member of this church, and you don't want to be left out in ministry, I need you in a C group. So that we can love you better. We can care for you better. We can minister to you better so that your needs do not go unmet. That's a good plug right there. Somebody ought to say, go, pastor. (laughs) Secondly, after he organizes them, he took their resources, the bread. He looked up to heaven. He prayed. And he broke the resources. And then he gave them back, look at this, to the disciples. See, Jesus didn't need the bread and loaves. This wasn't about Jesus. This was about the disciples and increasing their faith. So he took what they gave him and he gave it back to them after he blessed it and broke it. And then those 12 disciples went all out to those groups of 50s and they began to minister with the stuff that Jesus blessed and he broke. That's so impressive to me. Why? Why is that impressive? Because I believe that whatever Jesus lifts up and breaks can be used for the master's ministry. And parenthetically, here I come. He wants to lift you up and break you too. So he can use you, not just your stuff, for the ministry. You say, Pastor, what what do you mean? Well, first of all, it's a good thing to be lifted up by God and to be blessed by God for the ministry. But it's a better thing when the Lord breaks you in order to use you from the ministry. See, the blessing is not so much in the distribution, but it's in the breaking. Uh, What do you mean? Well, if he breaks you, it's because he wants to multiply. Hey, your gifts and your talents in the earth for his honor and his glory. Some of us think that, no, it's just about God promoting me. Our promotion's good, but breaking is better. Because when he breaks you of the stuff that's hindering you, now he can use you greater. (laughs) In the ministry, I'm trying to contain myself here because God did some breaking in my study this week on me. Listen, when God breaks you from the pride of life, he can use you greater than you've ever been used before. When God breaks you of the selfishness of life, he can use you greater than he can before. I can't get no amens, but I got a pocket full right here. Listen, when God breaks you of the arrogance of life, there is nobody you won't minister to. When God breaks you of self-reliance and self-sufficiency and the fear of trusting him, Now he can use you wherever, whenever, to whoever, because he's called you to do that. The the blessing ain't in the promotion. It's nice, but it's in the breaking. Here it is, and I'm I'm just not in my notes, but what does God need to break you of today? 
in order to use you greater or greatly in the kingdom ministry on earth. What do you need to give to God today to allow him to break you from so he can use you greater in the kingdom ministry? I'm coming down now, but I've learned in life that what God desires for me, Brother Norm, is my complete obedience and submission to him. Pastor friend and I was having a conversation. He said to me, Angelus, what do you think God wants from his church? He had this great profound theological treatise, dissertation on what he thought. And I said, well, I don't know about all that, but I know this. God wants us to obey. It can all be summed up in one word, obedience. That's what he wants. You want to know why there's no fruit in your life? Disobedience. You want to know why you haven't seen him move or perhaps heard his voice to engage in something he wants you to be involved in? Disobedience. You know what God wants in your marriage? Obedience. What he wants in your parental ministry? Be obedience. What he wants from you out of your vocation on the job? Obedience. God requires and desires obedience in the life of his children. And then when you obey, he can lift you and break you. Multiply you in multiple contexts. Well, I got to quit now. But if you give him your life, your mind, your desires, your ideas, your talents, your money, your dreams, your goals, your education, your careers, and see what God does, you'll get to experience him like you've never experienced him before. The Bible says, that when they did that, they all ate. Somebody say all. See, the disciples were the ones who had the few loaves and fish. The, the multitude didn't have anything. But when they gave it away, they all got to experience it. That's beautiful. And then not only did they all get to eat, but the disciples got the leftovers. That was even better. And I don't know about you, in, in my house, leftovers are way better the next day. <laughs> because of obedience, the disciples were able to meet the needs of the multitude. Because of obedience, they got to see God do something they never saw before. Because of obedience, Jesus revealed to them the mystery of kingdom stewardship. Give God all you got. I'm through. But when the day was over that day, they were tired and exhausted. You know, they ministered to more people than they had ever before. When the day was over, they saw Jesus like they never saw him before. When the day was over, they had a new perspective on ministry. What they could do when Jesus was in control of the resources. When the day was over, they had impacted 5,000 more souls than they had the day before. And I got a question for us, RCC. When the day is over for RCC, how many lives would have been changed How many souls would have been saved? 
How many marriages saved? How many babies rescued from drugs? How many children from the systems and institutions of this world? When the day is over for RCC, what will be our record in heaven? Because we're going to show up before the throne and we're going to give an answer to God as a church and individuals with what you did with his resources on earth. How many people would have been touched, blessed, saved because you gave God everything you had? Oh, beloved, if you give the Lord all you got, the world will get to know him. If you give him all you got, the world will get to taste him. If you give him all you got, You'll be better for it. You'll begin to think like he thinks. You'll really get to know him. You'll get to see what he sees. You'll begin to have the mind of Christ. That's what he wants. And then he gave us an example of how to do it. Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, the son of God, he came down from heaven. And he modeled what it looks like to give God all you got. He did that in an earthly body as a man so you and I would know how to do it. When you look at him on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, you see somebody who gives the Father everything that he has. Jesus gave the Father all that he had when he let them drive the spear in his side. Nails in his hand, nails in his feet, put a crown of thorns on his head. He surrendered it all to God. Why? To model for you and I what it looks like to give God all that you got. I'm so glad he did. He did that so you and I might be saved, yes. That you and I might be reconciled back to God, yes. But so that you and I will also know how to live on earth, under the full authority of God in obedience to him. He models that sacrificial life. He died so that others may live. We're called to die to ourselves so that others may live. He was buried. They put him in another man's tomb an early Sunday morning because of what he did. God the Father raised him back to life. And guess what? When you do that, God the Father will again give you life and raise you to a new level of living in Christ. Thank you for being such a sweet church. I love you, RCC. I think about you all the time. If you knew how much, you'd be like, quit thinking about me, Pastor. But all this week I've been praying for you, and this has been my prayer. God, Teach us to surrender it all. Teach us. I heard this hymn in the church. Brother David, you can come help me if you like. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I 
to thee, my blessed Savior, I Will you stand and sing that with me? I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I Chorus says, All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet, I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. All together, family. I surrender. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. All to thee. Hallelujah. Bless. 